Welcome to Had to Be There, the podcast that allows you to explore the world's greatest destinations through the stories of those who have been there. Here to ignite the wanderlust within, your host and favorite travel planner, Kelly Acevedo. Benvenuta. Welcome to the Had to Be There podcast. I'm your host, Kelly. And if you can believe it, this is episode 60. I cannot wait for you guys to hear the conversation that I had with this week's guest. G. Scott Graham is truly a jack of all trades. Among them, he's a tough mutter, a firefighter instructor, a farm animal rescuer. He is an EMT instructor, a Tai Chi instructor, an avid hiker. He's an ordained minister, a college instructor, a half marathoner, a Trekkie, a licensed substance abuse counselor. The list goes on and on and on. He has published 17 books, he has spent 261 days in silent meditation. He's rescued 56 farm animals. I cannot say enough incredible things about this guy. And this week he joined us to share, I'm sure one of many of his had to be their experiences. But first I want to remind you, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please take a second, leave a rating and review. If you're on Spotify, you can leave a star rating, which would be great. I'm sorry, a five star rating. Um, incidentally, thanks to this week's guest, we are now on Podchaser. So if you are not on Apple Podcasts and you would like to leave a review, you can do so for the show or for this individual episode right there. You can also leave us a review on Google. Um, tons of ways for you to help and spread the word far and wide. If you happen to be listening on Spotify, I have a poll in the show notes for you. Um, This week's episode is going to be centered around hiking. And so it made me curious, what kind of hiker are you? Uh, Can you guess which kind of hiker I am? You can shoot me an email at podcast at hadtobethere.net if you think you know, or if you have any hiking stories of your own that you'd like to share, I'd love to hear them. Maybe I can share some of them. So before we get into this exciting story, let's get some news updates out of the way, shall we? Okay, 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 okay. So much news from the world. So hey, put your sound up. You know why? I think it's time for our weekly roundup. Weekly roundup. Well, welcome to this week's weekly roundup. I am bringing you all things from Disney and beyond, but mostly Disney this week because we've got a lot to talk about. (laughs) First up, we have a very exciting fall offer from Aulani, which is Disney's resort and spa in Hawaii. You can save up to 25% on select rooms for stays of five nights or more and up to 20% on select rooms for stays of four nights. So I encourage you to act fast because this offer is only valid for consecutive night stays, most nights between August 23rd and November 18th or November 25th to December 22nd. And hey, if you book by May 2nd, there's a resort credit in it for you. 
Next up, this one is very exciting for all my hardcore Disney fans. Adventures by Disney just announced another adventure of a lifetime. Former Disney Imagineer Joe Rohde will be joining guests on an expedition cruise to the Arctic this July. Not only will he share insights into his incredible 40-year career, but he'll also teach guests how to capture their emotions through sketching. The Arctic is home to polar bears, whales, walruses, reindeer, puffins, and more. So each day is going to be a unique adventure. Hey, by the way, did you know that polar bear hair is actually transparent, but it reflects light, which makes it appear white? Yeah, it's true. And that's just one of the many little tidbits that you'll be picking up on this expedition. And hey, a little birdie told me there are still spots available. Not many, but a few spots available on this expedition. So if you would like to join this cruise to the Arctic in July and spend time with the man, the legend, Joe Rohde himself, hit me up and let's get you in there. Finally, we have exciting news for my Star Wars fans. The Star Tours attraction at Hollywood Studios in Florida and Disneyland Park in California will be adding more stories and characters in 2024. So stay tuned as they drop more news on what to expect for this attraction in the future. So those are my big updates for this week. If you are not already, please uh, be sure that you're following Vacations by Kelly on Instagram at vacations by underscore Kelly. I'm doing a whole week about cruises and there are so many cruise promos that I want to make sure you guys are aware of. So follow along and each day I will be dropping the big promos for some of the major cruise lines. So that's all I've got for this week's weekly roundup. I hope that you will join me next and every week for more travel news and promos from Disney and beyond. Happy travels. Today, we take you on a journey of suspense, mystery, and adventure. Our destination, a Mediterranean island with a dark past and a trail that's claimed more than its fair share of victims. Nestled in the midst of the sea, this island was once known as a den of thieves and pirates. Tales of murder and mayhem are rife in its history. But in recent years, it's become a mecca for adventure seekers who brave treacherous paths and breathtaking heights in the pursuit of the ultimate adrenaline rush. There's one trail in particular that strikes fear into the hearts of even the bravest souls. It's a winding and treacherous route that leads through rocky terrain, verdant valleys, and forbidding peaks. Many have attempted this trail, but few have emerged unscathed. Join us as we unravel the mystery of this island and the notorious trail that lurks within. Will our intrepid adventurer make it out alive? Let's find out. This is Corsica.
Scott, welcome to the Had to Be There podcast. I'm thrilled to have you with me today. Oh, I am psyched to be here, Kelly. I'm, I'm glad to, to be hear here. it. <laughs> Before we jump in, why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners and tell us a little about you? Sure. I'm a, a, I do a lot of different things. I am a career and business coach. That's how I make most of my income. I also run a not-for-profit farm animal rescue. I am an EMT instructor. I am a Tai Chi instructor. I'm a firefighter instructor. Uh, and in my spare time, I go hiking and camping and I run Tough mutters. I am training not so well. I might add for a Tough Mudder on June 10th, uh, but I'm going with a bunch of Tough Mudder virgins, and that has somehow allowed me to not be at the top of my game because they're going to be <laughs> over the edge. They're going to be over the edge from any of this stuff. And uh, so I can just kind of – there's a story of like I used to – when I used to work for Outward Bound, and, and we'd be out there hiking with a group of folks and we'd be like you just have to hike faster than the slowest student that's it <laughs> that's fair that's it that's fair right yeah um hey, i love it <laughs> me as a non-hiker i am the slowest person so i i get it I oh get i'd it. love to go hiking with you kelly <laughs> <laughs> and you hiked i mean all over do you want to tell us about some of the uh trails that you've hiked Yes, I've, I I through hiked the Appalachian Trail many years ago. Ba you know, the through hiking and hiking today is so much different than it was when I did it. It's going to make me sound like a dinosaur, but <laughs> when I did it, like you, you, I had to bring dimes with me so that wow. I could make phone calls. Right. So I could check in that with my family. That ages you a number of ways because <laughs> yeah. A, that pay phones existed, but B, that they only cost a dime. Right, right. So. <laughs> um, there was nothing like this, the, the piece that we have now of like super connectivity. And mm. when I hiked the long trail, uh, a friend and I hiked the long trail together, it was so, it was really disappointing. Because you'd get into the shelters at night on the lawn trail and all you would see was the kind of glow on people's faces from their cell phones. Um, and they were posting about their day and doing yeah. a little blog or this or that or sharing pictures. And I mean, when I did the Appalachian Trail, I had to send my pictures to be developed. <laughs> right, right. Absolutely. <laughs> And, and, and I probably got, you know, the total pictures from when I hiked the Appalachian trail is probably one day's worth of pictures now with people in smartphones as they're hiking yeah, along. I'm sure. It's crazy. <laughs> so I actually, in my uh, day job, one of our offices is in uh, Kent, Connecticut, which is mm -hmm. right along the Appalachian trail. Uh, so we have lots of people who like jog it in the morning like that little section there but i have a few co-workers who are slowly like piece by piece trying to you know work their way down um so when i saw that you had done this i couldn't wait to tell everybody <laughs> right right i used to work there was a place called the wilderness school that was around kent connecticut and we mm. would um 
do hiking on the Appalachian Trail around there and then pack, mm-hmm. um, paddle down the Housatonic River, yeah. uh, which is which we which we all called the Housatoxic River. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no offense <laughs> taken. <laughs> and uh, that was that was a great period of my life also. Wow. And then most, most recently I hiked the GR20 in Europe and that supposedly is the hardest hiking trail in Europe and I'm writing a book about that experience. That sounds amazing. We're going to let's put a pin in that cuz we are getting to this. Okay. <laughs> but I'm curious um because you've been so many places. Uh when were you bitten by this travel bug or adventure bug, I guess. I the I think it's because my dad took me for walks in the woods when I was a kid. Oh. And I I really do. I think that's really the piece that sparked the whole piece of uh, of, of this adventure stuff. And my parents took me camping when I was a kid. Uh, mm. I was born. My mom was like 44 when I was born, which is like really I'm way back in the 60s. That was like ancient and never heard of. Sure. And yeah. and and my father was like 48 when I was born. They weren't planning on having a kid. And right. and so then when they had me, they needed to do something. And so we went went camping and went uh, and drove all over the East Coast with this pop-up camper and went for lots of walks in the woods. And it really kind of kind of gave me this wander, wanderlust. And oh, then I love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting all emotional over here. Don't mind me. <laughs> so you're taking us um, today on this GR20, right? Correct. So um, tell us how this came to be. How did you decide that this was something you wanted to tackle? Um, Tell us where exactly this is, because I definitely had to Google it. Right. Well, I was I was turning 50 Mm -hmm. and a friend of mine was turning 40. He's an EMT and firefighter in New Hampshire. And I said to him, I said, I need to do something turning 50. Mm. I'm either going to need to, you know, buy a red sports car that I can't afford, (laughs) or I'm going to have to like cheat on my spouse with somebody half my age. (laughs) Right. These are the rules. I didn't make the rules. (laughs) (laughs) Or I'm going to have to like, let's, we have to do something that like reasserts our masculinity. And we talked about a number of things. And, and I said, uh, GR20 was on our, our list. We talked about doing, there's a, there's a trail that goes around Mont Blanc in the, in Europe. And mm-hmm. we talked about doing Mount Kilimanjaro and mm-hmm. we talked about doing Machu Picchu. The, the piece for me that attracted me to the GR20 was that it wasn't a piece, although there are. I have to say there are like tours. You can book a GR20 tour and they will put a package together for you. But if you if we were to go to Mount Kilimanjaro, we would absolutely we couldn't do it on our own. We'd have to book a tour. Uh, because sure. that's how they control the access to that. And the same thing with Machu Picchu. And I'm more of a DIYer when it comes to adventures. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm much more of that type of, I'd rather just figure it out and, and 
plan it out and go and do it. And whatever happens, happens. And, and so we had talked about this for ages and mm. he was going to do it. Then he wasn't going to do it. Then he was going to do it. Finally, I said, we have to do this. And yeah. we went on a, we went to a concert and I turned to him and I said, Tim, I said, do you have, are we going to do this? Do you have, he's like, I'm renting out the boat dock and the money I get from the boat dock, I'm going to use for the trip. And his wife wow. was at the concert. Concert and she turned and she says, well, you, we are not using that for the trip. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm using that to go back to graduate school and get a degree. Oh. And uh, he looked at me. I was so dejected. I came home. Oh. And I was so depressed. It was, this was in December. And um, my husband turned to me and said, just book the fucking trip. And I'm yeah. like, I'm yeah. like, I don't know. He says, how long do you think it's going to take you? I said, you know, 20 days, maybe it's, you know, I don't know. I, it's, it's hard to figure out. Uh, he's like, then just book it for 28. And if, yeah. it, and if it, and if you get done early, you just got, you can hang out at the beach. And if, hey, you, and so, I like it. <laughs> so I literally just with his encouragement, I, booked the plane tickets to fly into Nice and booked the mm -hmm. plane ticket to fly home and was like, all right, I'm going, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going. And that's, that's how it came about. Really. That's amazing. Your friend yeah. must've been so bummed. Yeah. We haven't, <laughs> you know, we haven't really talked about it because it was such a great adventure and I had such a good time and he hasn't done, you know, this is, this is the piece for, for, listeners that are that that are kind of soaking this in you will be given many opportunities in your life and you will have a choice on those opportunities whether to seize those opportunities or brush them aside and mm. if you brush them aside, there's no going back. You know why? Because we are only allotted a certain amount of minutes in our life to spend. And once Absolutely. you spend them, it's done. It's done. It's right? done. It's done. It's done. It's done. There's nothing you can do to get them back. A hundred percent. Absolutely. Really. And, and I mean, this, I, I feel bad for him because he hasn't done that. And then recently he was doing some work and he hurt his back. No, no. So, and then was out of work for like six months and now has to be really careful with everything. Yeah. So he's, he's never going to be able to do anything like that. Right, right. Right. And so he'll probably, I don't know, you know, that's the type of thing where I would have gotten to be like 85 years old and look back at my life and said, I wish I did that. Right. Damn right. it. Why didn't I do that? Yeah. Right. I'm not, I refuse to say that. I am not yeah. going to be 90 years old and say, damn it. Why mm. didn't I do that? Absolutely. That's such a great way to look at it too, because then you're, you're, pushed to seize those yeah. opportunities when they come. Right. Right. I love it. So what is it about this trail that makes it the hardest hiking trail in Europe? I think because it's from a European standpoint, it's, it's fairly remote and it's very difficult. Like there, right before I went on the trail, they had closed, they had to close a section of the trail because they got this incredible rainstorm and like five people died in one day. 
on oh, the trail. No. Yeah, yeah. I th- and the other part I think that 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 goes with this is that it it's close to civilization, and I mean Europe's a fairly you know cityfied, for lack of a better word, you <laughs> know place, and so it's mm-hmm. not as wildernessy like America. And right. so the there's a lot of people that get out on these trails that are Europeans that do not have the same type of wilderness common sense that Americans have. Mm. That's probably sounds really judgmental. And all these you know, all these Europeans are going to send hate mail and they should send <laughs> they should send them to you, Kelly. Um, and, <laughs> you can send that to me at podcast yeah. at had to be there dot net. Thank right. you. <laughs> there you go. Um, but it's it's just it was it's just a different sensibility on stuff. And so mm. people I mean, people get injured on on uh, in America on trails all the time. Uh, sure. We see that. But it's there's a certain I don't know sensibility that we bring with us that we know that we could get hurt and we better have mm-hmm. a plan and we better not you know there better not just stroll out right. um, and so there they they these people were on this one difficult part of the trail and this storm kicked in and five or six people died and they literally closed that part of the trail I, we I had to take I had to take a bus. around um from from where where, i mean we got off the trail at this point and it was only you know a five mile section to uh that that you bypassed where this incident happened but the bus ride was like 50 miles because you had to go way out and then you had to come way back in. And actually to be honest, the bus drive was the most horrific part of the entire experience. Really? We're on these, like these roads that look like (laughs) it could maybe support maybe a a car and a goat. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Not meant for a busload of people. This guy on this bus was like going like 80 miles an hour down this road. Oh, my God. I, I was, you know, and you'd like look over the edge and oh, I was gripping. It was, gri- I was, I was failed by the time we finished. Um, that's, that's so scary. <laughs> um, I actually this, interviewed yeah. somebody once who uh, was on a high school trip in Switzerland um, and those like traversing roads and they were on this bus and the brakes went out and they like careened over the edge of one of the. Um, hills there and were badly injured, but everybody lived. <laughs> right, right. But yeah, right. there are just some some roads that are not meant for these kinds of vehicles. Right, right. They had put in for these these some of these sections that I went through. There were literally cables and chains that you had to use to kind of get up and over some things. Um, And so it was the, you know, the risk of that stuff is Mm -hmm. that, you know, somebody puts that hardware in and I mean, they may or may not check it. Uh, And Mm. so you're trusting, you know, hanging off this stuff that it's going to support you. A lot of the cables and chains and ladders have been taken out and things have been rerouted since then. So there's Mm. less of a risk because you're not, you know, you're not you're not in that position of of testing your fate on something that was right. hammered into the rock 
five years ago. Yeah, exactly. Right. My goodness. So take me uh, through your experience a little bit, your had to be there experience. I know that you you mentioned um, not not necessarily letting on to the fact that you were American while you were on this oh. on the trail. Yes. <laughs> well, it was as I there's the, the reason that I'm writing the book is that it's not just a memoir, but for, you know, people in Europe are aware of the GR20 and what it is and how to train for it. Much like somebody in the in America's used to the Appalachian Trail. Right. I'm like most sure. people have heard of the Appalachian Trail or the Pacific Crest or these other big trails mm-hmm. that are out there. People in Europe are aware of it, but people in America aren't and there's a whole bunch of planning that goes into place to play around this and one of those first pieces that i discovered in doing the research was how much um the uh french dislike america Americans. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. As, as, and when I say that, I don't mean like all Americans in general. Like I would I would say like mm. the, the arrogant <laughs> American tourist. Yeah. Yeah. The arrogant American yeah. tourist that thinks that right. the world revolves around them. And right. then the people, the people in Corsica hate everybody. <laughs> they hate everybody. Um, mm. So when I went I, I brushed up on my French because that's what you should do if you're going to a country that, right. that you do this. And and I decided that I was going to impersonate a Canadian. And so <laughs> I put the Canadian flag on my backpack. And mm. and when people asked me where I was from, I told them I was from Canada. I mean, Vermont's close enough to Canada. I mean, um, yeah, right. Yeah, that's what I <laughs> that's how I rationalize the the, the the lie of being Canadian. Um, and so and I don't know, sometimes with the politics in this country, maybe I do, maybe I am Canadian. I don't know. Um, you know, we are in the land of Bernie here in Vermont. So that's oh, pretty, that's, that's, true. that's pretty Canadian. <laughs> Right. (laughs) So I rationalize, okay, I'm Canadian. And I have to tell you the first place that I stayed at, I flew into Nice and I got hopelessly lost on the bus. Um, I had trouble reading the map and, and I struggled to tell people where I was going to want to go. I'm speaking in French, you know, as good as I can. And Mm -hmm. the people were really helpful. They, they told me that I got in the wrong spot, told me how to get back on the right bus. And I found my way to the hotel and there was this guy, he was, he was not an American. He was, I would, I would guess that he was British. Uh, and, and he was checking in. And the the person that was checking him in, you know, greeted him in French. And the first words out of his mouth was, you don't speak English. And I mean, was he sounded like 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 a rough rugby player kind of voice. Yeah. And and, and, and he looked like, you know, he looked like your stereotypical, you know, guy from the pub in England. And and, uh, and they just went back and forth and he got really irritated because this person couldn't understand what he was saying. And it took mm-hmm. him like 10 minutes to check in. And he finally, he, you know, kind of got on, got, got through this piece and, um, and stormed off, 
got in the elevator and went, and then it was my turn. And I, you know, said to the, the person, she said, you know, she's bonjour. I said, you know, bonjour, je, je m'appelle Scott, uh, you know, and I said, je parle français un peu, which means I speak French mm-hmm. a little bit. And, yeah. um, and I said that I had a reservation and then I went to say the next sentence and I struggled to say that piece. And that woman behind the desk turned to me and spoke perfect English. No. <laughs> perfect English. Talk. Uh, really? I love it. <laughs> he deserved it. He deserved it. I was like, oh, no. right. Because, you know, I made the effort. Right. right. And there's, exactly. there's a certain kind of arrogance that comes, especially when you, it's like, it's like going to visit somebody in their house and, you right. know, saying, do you want me to take my shoes off? And, right. you know, they say yes or no, or you come in, you're like, I'm not taking my shoes off for anybody. Right. right. Well, come on. You're in somebody else's house. Be yeah, respectful. Exactly. And so yeah. I did that when I was, um, it was, it was so illuminating and I was, it, it was one of the lessons that I kept a list of lessons that I learned for the book. And that was it of, you know, respect other people and meet them where they're at because, yeah. you know, um, that's so important. Just any, anywhere you are in life. The had to be there podcast is brought to you by vacations by Kelly, where your host becomes your travel agent. As a proud affiliate of Academy Travel, Kelly specializes in Disney destinations and can help with all non-Disney excursions worldwide as well. When you book with Kelly, you're getting much more than a travel agent. You're getting a personalized concierge-level travel partner. And the best part? Her services are completely free. It's true. So when you're ready to make your next travel dream a reality, Vacations by Kelly is ready to make it happen. Visit hadtobethere.net slash vacations to get started. And Corsicans hate every, I mean, they hate the French. Like Corsica, <laughs> Corsica as a country was conquered so many times over the years. And right. um, they as a country, have, as, they really want to be their own country. In fact, when you went to the post offices and the official offices in Corsica, they flew the Corsican flag above the French flag. Oh. Like, think about that. Think about like, if you went, you might see that in Texas, right? Where somebody would be like, we're flying the Texas flag above the American flag because dun, 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 Texas, right. you know, but I mean, that's the kind of thing. And, oh, and they hate Americans. And, and mm. because we came in there in World War II, they were invaded by the Germans. They've been invaded by everybody. They drove the Germans out. And how they drove the Germans out was they stampeded cows to, to trample the Germans. But before they stampeded the cows, they covered the cows with oil and lit them on fire. And oh my I mean, that's God. what, that's how Corsicans are, right? They're like, <clears throat> so... They drove the Germans out and the day and, and their central capital is this, is called Bastia. And the day I swear to God, this, I, it, sometimes I, I, I am so unproud to call myself an American. I was like, I was like, no, I am a Canadian really. So the, <laughs> the day after 
they drove the Germans out. The Americans bombed the shit out of their capital, Bastia, in order to drive oh, no. the Germans out. That oh, the no. Corsicans <laughs> drove out the day before successfully. Oh, my God. So... Yeah, it was. See, that's why we needed cell phones back yeah. then. <laughs> I was, yeah. Did, nobody told the Americans, and they came in right. and boom, boom, boom. And I'm like, was that a problem? Hey guys, don't come. Thanks, XO. <laughs> Gosh. And wow. And so, and, and and then of course I was, you know, as a I I was a vegetarian before I hiked the before I hiked the trail in Corsica, and mm. you know. That the only thing worse than an American is an American vegetarian, maybe an American vegan, right? I mean, they just, just there's, there's no food along the way. It's food that- An American that, vegan who does CrossFit. Yes, right. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, and so I, I became a- I became a carnivore since then. And um, mm. I was a carnivore. I was a vegetarian for 30 years before I um, wow. did this trek. And I, in order to do that and fit in, I was like, all right, I'll eat meat again. And oh my yeah. God. Oh my God. The meat <laughs> was in, I mean, maybe I think. You know, was it like coming home? Oh my, Scott? it was, it was. <laughs> It was, I, I I'm it. telling you, it was, they had the, I, I, I took a picture of this. They, I was blown away. They brought out bacon appetizers because they have these little places that you can stay in along the way and they will give you food. Mm. So that was my main sustenance. I paid for breakfast. I paid for, you know, dinner and I slept in a tent and the mm -hmm. dinners were like sort of family style. And they brought out this, these, it was just bacon. That was it. Here's your bacon. And that I'm was, and it was, they were set up <laughs> like a teepee and the Bacon was, I'm telling you, a quarter of an inch thick cooked. Oh and it was like two inches wide and eight inches long. And Whoa. I, I, serious I, bacon. Uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> I, 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 I practically had an orgasm at the table. I was like, ah, oh. <laughs> and, and, since that was it, that that is that that bacon appetizer has converted me back to being a carnivore. And I have tried to go back wow. to being a vegetarian since then, but I've been infected by the Corsican bacon and cannot go back. <laughs> no turning yeah. back now. Because they're because they're because they're <laughs> off in the off in the hills and off in the, you know, doing whatever. Sure. So that was that, you know, they didn't get that bacon from the grocery store. They made that. Right. That was their bacon that they made. Yeah. And, 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 oh my gosh, the cheese that they, Amazing. you know, there was there, you know, they made their own cheese. They, it was just, it was a, a, um, what is that word? Gastronomic or we, you know, where it talks yeah. about, you know, it was like, <laughs> it was a gastronomic fantasy, um, that trip. Mm. Wow. My goodness. The only thing that they didn't do, which if I have to do it again, this is why it's important to write the book, is that I would have brought along a French press and some real coffee, like coffee grounds. Oh. Because everybody does like instant Nescafe over there. Everywhere. Really? <laughs> oh. oh, am I telling you? <laughs> 
awful. Interesting. Awful. It was just awful. So I would have I would have brought a big bag of like, you know, ground coffee and a French press and then used hot water and put that in and then, you know, shipped a second 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 um bag to the to the halfway mark there's there's a there's a northern section which is is re the diff, most difficult part it's like you know 100 miles mm. and then there's the southern section another 100 miles which is not considered as difficult um but uh and everybody that is trying to like you know have a little like you know success star on their adventure list stops <laughs> at the central point and and takes the train oh. out and i was like well if i want to come here i'm doing the whole damn thing that's like i mean yeah right? you know that might as well if if it's that's like having a half of a of a bowl of ice cream it doesn't make any sense right, right? it's exactly especially if the first part's the hardest part right. like oh the second half was on. beautiful <laughs> and it was and there was hardly any people it was it was really nice well sure um, they all yeah. home. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I finished wow. that. It was, and so it was, it was, it was, it was challenging and, 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 and transforming, like I said. That's amazing. So all in all, how long did it take you? I was there, you know, the standard piece is, you know, two to three weeks. If you're, if you're, mm-hmm. if you're playing around on that piece, um, mm-hmm. I spent a couple of days at the midpoint. They had, this, there's this really great hotel. And I spent a couple nights there and got all cleaned up. It's really dusty, like really dusty. Like when I, after like 10 days on the trail, my clothes were, you would like hit your shirt and like, it would, it would, it would poof of like, of dirt yeah. um, because it's windy. Sure. It's, it's an island, yeah, right? right? Exactly. So everything gets whipped up. Right. Uh, and so it's, 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 it's very dusty. And, and so I, I was able to get cleaned up there. There's also a big piece, which yeah, I, I, I learned this after I wish I had known this is why I'm writing the book. <laughs> um, there's a big issue with bed bugs at the um, places where people stay. And so uh, it's really bad. Uh, And I didn't have a, if you stay in a tent, if you bring your own tent and you sleep in a tent and you sleep on the ground on a, you're fine because there's no way that the bed bugs are going to <laughs> come out of the building, right, right, crawl right. across, and then it's, you're safe. And so that was a good piece that I decided to do that. And and I really decided to do it just because it was cheaper and and it's like the best. It's like do it because not only because it's cheaper, but you will right. be glad to not get bed bugs uh, because the hotels. When they, when you go to like when I, this hotel that I stayed in at the halfway point, they were like, you know, they brought out a garbage bag and wanted me. I'm like, because they thought I had bed bugs because I, they, and I had to communicate to them in French Jeez. that I was not sleeping with the infected right. people that were on the, I was good. I was, and I didn't, I don't remember what the word bed bug is in French. I had, to, I learned it because I was trying to communicate right. it and they brought like, you know, this, this, I don't know, 12 year old girl who spoke French and English <laughs> to kind of translate and, um, and, 
it was, yeah. So I was able to get cleaned up and then finish the second half and stay in another hotel and, um, and then get out through the, you have to take a ferry to get to the Island. There's no, you have to take a plane to get to Nice and then you have to take a ferry to get to the Island and then, you know, some sort of transportation to get to the trailhead and then the exact opposite to get back. Wow. That's it's incredible. Quite the, it's quite the logistical excursion. Right, right, exactly. Um, right? <laughs> I yeah. love that you had such an experience that you'd go back and do it all over. Absolutely. That's amazing. That was really fun. That's amazing. Because a lot of people, was, especially was, on big you know, I, things like that, they're like, I'm so glad that I did it, and I can say that I did it, and now I can move on. <laughs> right. That was. Did you, did you know that it was Mark Twain who said that? Was it? He's, he, he uh, Mark Twain said, "I'm glad." This is a quote. I'm glad I did it, mm-hmm. partly because it was well worth it, mm-hmm. but chiefly because I will never have to do it again. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that's exactly the sentiment so many people have. So I think it's really it really says something that you'd be open to going through it again. <laughs> It was, you know, I live in New England and we have the White Mountains up here. And I mean, we have bigger peaks in the United States than this. We are, you you can be in a more more of a remote wilderness situation Mm -hmm. than uh, they have up there. But, and so it was not as taxing as I thought it would be coming from places where we hike up Mount Washington and we're climbing over big boulders. And I'm like, Oh, this is just like what we do in, in new England, in the white mountains. (laughs) Um, and so it didn't feel that foreign to me to go do that with, I mean, it was really, I mean, everything, if you Google GR 20, you get, or you Google GR 20 deaths, you get, you know, how hard is the GR 20? It's very tough. Don't take, it lightly blah 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 you know but um it was it was i was i was surprised on on the maybe i was just super fit back then i don't think so um If, if it was well within my, you know, people have, uh, you know, a piece called comfort zones Mm -hmm. and, you know, there's, and this was not outside my comfort zone. I thought it was going to be outside my comfort zone, but it wasn't. Wow. It wasn't. The the harder piece was, was the language and making sure I was communicating clearly and, and navigating the complex transportation to get from America to Corsica and then back from Corsica to America. Yeah. 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 That's amazing. Um, So I'd love to ask you a little about some of your other uh, travel experiences, if I may. Sure. What is there? Was there a specific piece you would love to talk about? As you can tell, oh I'm gosh. a talker. I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, so let's, a do, let's do a little uh, like lightning round, I guess. So, okay. Uh, what is your? That means you don't want me to talk a lot. Oh right? my god, this is going to be a brief answer. Okay. <laughs> it, it doesn't have to be a All brief right, answer, concentrate. but more like first thing that pops into your head, right? Okay. All right. Uh, so, Here we so go. what is your? favorite destination that you visited that you would visit again and again and again, if you could. The Allagash Wilderness Waterway in Maine. Ooh, and that's right next door for you. 
And that's what that's, that is right next door. Yes, it is right next door right to me. Door, yes. Yeah. 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 It's a it's a hundred and some miles of wilderness paddling. Wow. Um, and it was it was really great. I've paddled that with my with my um, late husband probably seven, six, six, six times, maybe seven times. Oh Fat, unbelievably great in September, not in July. <laughs> See, I'm being long winded so much for a lightning round because there's no bugs in September. Yo, there's no good and tip. the water's. And the water is warm in September. Yeah. It's not warm in April. All right. Next question. <laughs> Do you have a favorite um, unexpected or unplanned uh, travel experience that you've had? Oh, man. Unexpected. You know what? Not many because <laughs> uh, all of my travel experiences have been planned okay. and detailed. And, th and, and here's why. Here's why. This is an important reason why. Because if you plan them out, like all of my trips mm -hmm. for this year, I mean, it's not, if we still have snow here, I have every single vacation. I'm going for 80 some days from April to November. Wow. Uh, and I've got them, I plan them all out in October. Oh, wow. And, and the reason that's a great thing to do is because when you're stressed out in January, I can think about what I'm going to be yeah. doing in June. And, and I really, it's like taking your vacation in advance vicariously, mm -hmm. even I mean, vicariously through somebody else's experience, but <laughs> it's like you're projecting your experience. Right. Uh, and so, you know, I'll research, I'll think about it. And so I, I really savor that planning aspect and the preparation aspect because it's like I'm already there. Yes. Oh, I love that. That's a great answer. <laughs> Do you have um, a favorite way of uh, immersing yourself when you're in a new place or in, you know, experiencing different cultures? I've, I've, try to, when, when I've gone to those, when I go to new places, mm -hmm. I really love to go to the grocery store mm. and, and see what, uh, folks are, you know, pick something off the shelf that I don't know to yeah. eat and try something that is, you know, really different and, and, and yeah. Not, not so much the li that. not so much the liquors, but I love to check out this and like the, oh that's what a sandwich is here or oh, that's yeah. the way to do that yeah absolutely I love that so much my best friend does the exact same thing every time she visits like a new country she always seeks out a grocery store and a local bookstore that's like her that's right. her thing yeah oh I love yeah. that yeah. Um, and I take pictures of the food too now, now that we have digital cameras. Well, I didn't yeah. do it when I was, you know, <laughs> when I had to develop the food, but I'm like, uh, and develop the film. I'm like, oh, I got to take a picture of this. Click, right. click, click. <laughs> right? I always think about that. Like after I've eaten half of it, I'm like, oh man, like I, I can't wait. I get too excited. <laughs> um, do you, do you collect any kinds of like souvenirs from your trips or do you have a favorite souvenir that you've brought back? I have rocks and stuff from all over the world that wow. uh, places I've been uh, and 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 so places that I've been and gone to, I have this pile of 
rocks that are on my windowsill, some big, some small. And it's really funny because I'll be with someone. I was in New Zealand uh, for uh, a couple of weeks traveling about with a friend of mine. And we we went by this one lake, Lake Tapo. And I was like, I got to grab this. And she's like, what are you doing? And she (laughs) says, why do you want a rock? You know, and I'm like, oh, I got to have the rock. And so I have this rock from New Zealand that I snuck back. Oh, I love that. the United States. It's on that thing. I love that a yeah. lot because they're so like just small and innocuous, but that's you you must have quite a collection. <laughs> I, do, I do have quite a collection. Oh, I love the largest, that. the largest. I mean, well, they can't come and get me now, so I'll, I'll admit this piece. There's a the, statute we, of limitation on a rock, yeah, yeah, rock thievery. Good luck. Yeah. Well, I we had driven my 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 um, late husband and I had spent a lot of time in New Orleans. It was mm. one of our vacation places that we did a lot of time with, um, like many weeks and probably I would say probably two months of vacations over our life that we spent there. And, and on one of our last trips there, we had driven down, we didn't fly down. Mm. And that was the opportunity to me from, to get a brick from one of the cemeteries in. Wow. Oh, they might come get you for that. (laughs) They might come get me for that. I don't know. Good luck finding me. Good luck finding that brick. But he was, he was like, he's like, we're not taking that home. And I'm like, why? He, says, he said, it's like been there for like hundreds. There's like voodoo shit yeah, and other true. stuff. I don't want it in the house. Right, right. And, like, <laughs> and you're yeah. like stuffing it under so, your shirt. Like, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's how I got out of the cemetery with it under my armpit with oh this. My God, a big brick. Funny. Um, what? Scandalous. So, so whenever I, whenever I hear a weird noise, I think that's what it is. hundred percent. That's the yeah, brick you don't that's have to convince me. from New Orleans. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, which place that you've visited has had the friendliest locals? And don't say Corsica because I'm going to know that you're lying. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not Corsica at all. <laughs> I think the, 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 the friendliest locals that I met was when I was hiking the Appalachian trail mm. and I met this group of this family in West Virginia mm. and they took me in for a couple of days. Mm. And I mean, they were so friendly. We had squirrel for dinner. Um, oh. and, uh, and yeah, it was, it was, it was, they were so real and I don't know how they are now, but this was, you know, you know, many, many, many years ago when you had to use dimes to make phone calls, <laughs> right. They were very, it was, they were really, really fun to hang out with. Wow. So yeah, West Virginia. Very cool. Uh, do you have a piece of travel advice that you either like to give other people or that you once received? I think the, 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 the best travel advice is to plan for the worst. And then when the best happens, you're ready to go with whatever that is. Oh, I love um, that. That's a great you know, you, piece of advice. Yeah. Cause especially like, you know, there, there are people that, you know, they'll, they'll plan something big on the day that they're flying into their location. Mm-hmm. 
right? And that's not really planning for the worst. You're really planning for the best right. that the train's going to make it, the yep. plane's going to make it, and all this other stuff's going to be perfect. Right. Right. And you're going to get there. And and then if that doesn't happen, you are you know out of luck right. uh, from those pieces. And so if you plan for the for the worst, mm-hmm. then that's a that's that's a good thing to to have in your back Absolutely. pocket. Absolutely. And then final question of the lightning round. Do you have current, do you currently have anything at the top of your travel bucket list? Oh, this year, and this is my next book that I'm already started working on. <laughs> um, I, you know, I live in Vermont and it's, and it's very mountainy. And mm-hmm. so after my spouse died, um, I needed to find something different because we, c- I could not bring myself, my husband and I were together for 31 years. And after he died, wow. I could not bring myself to kind of go to, I had to reinvent. Yeah. Uh, I had to reinvent something for vacation things. And, and, and at the same time in that process, you know, you know COVID hit mm-hmm. right, right after he died. And mm-hmm. so I, I was really in isolation for most of that time. And what became my biggest support during that time was my dogs. And mm-hmm. so, dogs are the um, best. M- yeah, <laughs> my, my, my life is transferred so that what I'm doing now for kind of recreation, what I'm doing this year is I have a, tra- I have a camper. Mm-hmm. It's just big enough for me and the two dogs. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a wolf pup 16 FQ. It's like 16 feet on the inside, 20 mm-hmm. some feet on the outside. It's got a queen size bed, which is big enough for both dogs. And they let me in on the bed with them. Um, you get one and little I, corner. <laughs> right. And I tried, I was like, I got to do something that's, that that's different. And so, you know, Brian and I had done canoeing together. And so I was like, I can't do that. What should I, well, I don't know what to do. I was, ah, I decided I was going to do mountain biking and that was oh. a bad decision because <laughs> I can't do that with the dogs. I can't do mountain biking with the dogs. Oh. Um, right. So that there's no way that they can do that. So <laughs> right. they'd have to be um, very athletic <laughs> they'd be, and they're off the leash when you're, when you're yeah. biking. So they, there's a high chance that they could get run over or whatever. Right, right. So, so my latest is I am teaching. Are you ready? Everybody wants everybody that I've told this is like, oh my God. I'm so excited. I am, <laughs> I am I am learning how to do stand-up paddle boarding at the same time I am teaching a black lab and a Jack Russell Terrier Stop to, it. to do paddle boarding <gasps> at the same time with no. me. Um, and so how's that uh, going? Uh, <laughs> uh, well, we know they have learned the first part, which is surf. I had come right. up with commands because they're all the, all the videotapes that are on that videotapes, all the, all the videos and, and, and stuff that you see on YouTube basically are like, just put your dog in the board and go. And I'm like, there is, there is much more to this than just right. put your dog in the board and go. <laughs> um, like, like what happens if you're in the middle of a lake and you capsize, like yeah. you're in the water. And now I have two dogs in the water and we got to get all three of us back on the boat. And that's not something that you just say, okay, this is how you have to practice that. And so, yeah. 
Um, you have to prepare for the worst. Right. Have to prepare for the worst, plan <laughs> yeah, exactly. and hope, and then you get the whatever the best thing happens. So we, I've got a whole plan. I'm, I've already written. You know, I've already got a board. I've picked out the board. I've I've made some tweaks on the board to so that the dog's nails are not going to destroy the board. Mm. Um, talk about PFDs to get for the dogs, and I've got a list of commands. And the first command that they've learned is surf, oh which God. is get on the board. Well, that's um, amazing. So, and now next week I'm going to be teaching them on my first camping trip. I'm bringing the board with me, um, bow and stern, because in order to turn, you have to weight the back of the board. So the, right. so the bow goes up, but with two dogs and me, I got to shuffle back while they stay still and not move. Right. And right. then one has to move and then the other <sighs> has to move because if we all move at the three at the same time. <sighs> oh, yeah. my goodness. So I, I, I'm, I'll have to come back and talk about that yes, adventure. Please do, in, because I'm going to be just waiting with bated breath. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, Scott, before I let you go, tell me uh, what you're up to right now. Where can we find you um, if people want to get in touch? How 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 do we do it? The, the, the easiest way to find me is to just Google G. Scott Graham or G. Scott Graham author. And you'll see my books. You'll see my website. My website's gscottgraham.com. So of course that's going to show up first when you Google G. Scott Graham. Uh, but I, all those pieces are are linked there, links to the rescue, links to work that I'm doing as an EMT and an EMT instructor. That's all there. Um, on Facebook, you just have to look for G. Scott Graham author. Um, easy to find. And so, yeah, reach out to me. Let me know about your own adventures. Um, and I'd love to continue to share mine. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Scott. I hope you that you'll welcome. be back again and again because you are a delight. Oh, it's been such a pleasure. I can't wait <laughs> to fill you in on, on how many times I went into the drink with the dogs. <laughs> I'll be here. <laughs> All right. Great. If you enjoyed this episode, the best way to show your support is to rate or review us on whatever platform you're listening. And if this episode left you feeling like you just had to be there, reach out to Kelly to start planning an adventure of your own. Don't forget to follow us at HadToBeThere203 on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And visit our website, www.HadToBeThere.net. Until next time, get out there and make your own had to be there memories.